Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 118 for Monday, June 5th, 2017. <music> Greetings, folks. And welcome to Gig Gab, the podcast by, for, and about working musicians here in San Jose, California. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here, down the road in Los Gatos, California, it's Paul Kent. Welcome to California, Dave. Thanks, brother. It's uh, it's good to be here. The weather's we're on the nice. same coast. I, we're like practically neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, we're like 20 minutes away or something. Yeah. Love it. It's good. How are you today? Doing pretty good. I had a busy weekend, and uh, I'm getting ready for a lot of busy weekends, and so trying to get my head organized for that. I had a gig last weekend, and I have to say this. I don't think we've ever had this conversation. I, I, first time I can ever remember it, my head was not ready to play. Oh, I was like, yeah. I just, you know, I literally, usually it's like, oh, you know, gig tonight, awesome. And for a number of reasons, I just was not in a space where I was excited about it. I wasn't dreading it, like, uh, but it was just like, I was very keenly aware that that energy and that anticipation wasn't quite there. You ever have that? Uh, yes, I have. I have. Yeah. yeah. Not often though, right? Right. I, it only, there was one band where there were some lineup changes uh, after a number of years. And I found myself feeling that way going to every gig. And uh-huh. once I noticed it was a pattern, I, I basically quit the band. I mean, I was, you know, I, I gave him time or whatever, but it was like, uh, my heart's not in this. But yeah, but even it. with any band, it, it happens. Yeah. So you just brought up something about lineup changes. I, I have a really interesting question for you. I was asked sure. this by, by a friend uh, over the weekend. <clears throat> have you ever been the leader of a band and had to let some fire somebody? Oh, well... I've never been the sole leader of a band, but yes, um, the band that I had in college, which did really well. I mean, it, we did pretty well on college radio. We it was a mostly original band, and uh, we had a good thing going. And we had to let uh, our guitar player, who is also the fifty percent of the very strong songwriting team that we had, we had to let him go. Wow! Yeah. Why? Um. His his heart wasn't in it any, anymore. Mm-hmm. He he was like he, there were a couple of gigs where he just you know said, "Well, I can't make it tonight," and and every gig that we did was sort of a a big deal, you know, at, at that point, and and we were all in it. I was like, "Whoa!" And so finally, uh, we had to let him go. I I didn't deliver the news. It it we left that up to to Jeff, who was our singer and uh, also the you know, his, his like songwriting partner. So it had to come from him. It, it, it wouldn't have worked coming from anybody else, but yeah, we had to let him go. Yeah. That's all right. So the scenario that I would shared with is, um, you know, a band that is getting better. And, um, one of the guys in the band just wasn't keeping up, like wasn't keeping his chops up. You know, his work life was clearly starting to be an issue, Yeah, but it's a band that had been together quite a while is, is together quite a while. And, um, you know, so it's like, someone that you played with for years and the band is, is progressing and one guy is not exactly hard conversation. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and, and we, in our scenario, we replaced the guy 
um, with a, a, a great player and a great guy personality wise and all that. But if I were, if I go back kind of in hindsight and look at what be, what sort of led to the downfall and, and sort of eventual petering out of that band, it was, it was, you know, Brian leaving. Now, I don't know that we, our choice to let him go, I, I don't know would have, if we hadn't chosen to let him go, I think the band would have petered out even faster, right? So it did you talk to him first and kind of express the concerns, or was it just this was it? Um, yeah, we had conversations to express the concerns, but I mean, it, it just became obvious that it wasn't going to get fixed. But isn't that the weird thing? Like, how would someone not know, right? I mean, you he know knew. if you're hitting constant wrong notes and you know, you know, if you're late to practice or the last guy to show up for a gig, first one to leave. Right. You know, the band sees all this stuff and you know, they see all this stuff, right? Nobody, <laughs> you, you, you know, you're think. not hiding anything from your bandmate. So no. that's the thing is, is it kind of, I think it kind of sucks for a guy to like hang on until he's fired. That, that, that's just not cool. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't take us that long though. I mean, we were moving at a pretty quick momentum and it was like, we, dude, no, 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 no. You can't do this. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he did it again. It was like, all right, this isn't going to work. You know, we were, we were pretty quick to, to, to let him go um, in, the gra- in the grand scheme of things, only because how it was so quick. obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But No, how quick is quick? Like three months, one month? Um, probably about two months. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but again, it, you know, it, it, I, go, I always now look back and, and come back to that, that quote from – uh, Timothy B. Schmidt that says every rock band is on the verge of breaking up at all times. Mm. And anything, especially like a lineup change is the worst thing you can do to a band. It might also be the best thing if the change has to happen. Right. Yeah. But, but it is the riskiest thing to do to a band because it, it opens up all the cans of worms, even the ones that had just been sort of, you know, loosely sealed for a long time. Anytime yep. a new person comes in, that person's going to ask questions and you're going to need to like re-explain songs to that person. And as you're re-explaining the song, somebody in the band says, you know, while we're at it, I've always had this idea that. So true. Yeah. Right? And, it, and, and I've experienced, I mean, I'm certainly experiencing it now with Uptown Celebration. These guys have their stuff together, though. And for the most part, like there's no drama. I haven't experienced any drama within the band at all. Um. But even with even saying that there are, you know, little things that have come up where it's like, okay, we got to be careful that we don't just, you know, the ship just doesn't go off course because the new guy is asking questions, which he has to ask. I mean, I got to know. Are you saying are you saying that that you can sense along the spirit of this conversation about opening cans of worms that you can sense as you're kind of like getting what you need to get your job done? Yep that there is the possibility that there are deeper um, forces at play that, that typically come out of these types of things. Yeah. And, and um, with Uptown, it's, it's the least uh, serious I've ever experienced, but there are those little cans of worms. Like I'll ask a question about how do we start this song? And, and one guy will say, Oh, we do it this way. And then somebody will say, but you know, that's never really worked as well as it should. Maybe we should now is the right time to change it. And that, in and of itself can be fine, but you start changing too much. And, you know, so I, everybody's sort of aware of, of this, that it can happen. So I I don't think uptown, I don't think there's a huge risk there, but 
But it's just interesting to see that even where there's not this huge risk, it's still like all the cans of worms are, you know, the lids aren't on as tight as you might think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How interesting. Yep. 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 I could definitely say from experience that that's true. And this is one of the arguments in favor of the leader dictator model. It's yeah. worse when it's a when it's a democracy. Yeah, although I I wouldn't say I would say that Uptown is is very much the leader dictator model, uh, but it, that doesn't change the fact that you know one guy quote unquote has permission right to ask questions uh, about tunes. That's me, right? I'm the new guy. I don't know, so yep. someone has to tell me, and and the conversation happens. You know, it just you get a lot of strong personalities in the room, and like again, there's no problems with it. That I've seen yet, but and I don't I don't anticipate seeing them. But still, it's just interesting, you know, that all the opinions instantly are like right there on the surface. It's like, oh, yeah. all right, right, yeah, I don't know. So how'd the first gig go? Uh, the first gig was interesting. I if I could pick one type of gig to do that would be the worst type of first gig with any band, it would be what I experienced Saturday night. All in all, things actually went great. Uh, but it was a very high pressure gig. Um, the way the timing, we played at the Boston public library for a uh, private party and it was a black tie affair, about 200 people, you know, high dollar thing all the way around. They were catering they hired a lighting team. They rented out every room that I could possibly imagine at the library. Right. I mean, it was a, it was a, you know, there was a lot going on, a lot of moving parts, Load in was uh, awful and load out was awful because there was one very slow elevator that was relatively small for all of the vendors to use, for everybody to use, frankly. Um, and our leader couldn't arrive until after the, after the evening had gotten started. Obviously, he was there in time for the band to play our, our full set, but um, but he wasn't there to interface with the people that he had been interfacing with. So there were some interesting little, little uh, hiccups that happened. Like we, we were told uh, we were going to play and we did a set of music from 10 PM to midnight. Right. And, uh, and then they wanted an hour of, of cocktail music during dinner from, we were told eight 30 to nine 30. But when we got there and started just like talking with the, the folks uh, that were organizing it, they're like, right. So, Cocktail music goes from eight to 10 and then your set goes from 10 to midnight. And, and I said to the woman and I had to be really careful. I mean, you know, I'm literally my first gig. Like I couldn't be any newer in this band. And, uh, but of course I find myself in the position of just, you know, being right there and, and, and talking with these people. And I said, okay, well, um, I, I didn't want to say to her, no, no, it's only eight 30 to nine 30 because I didn't negotiate that with her, right? That so I didn't really know what was negotiated. I just knew what I understood to have been negotiated. So I didn't want to start, you know, drawing lines in the sand or anything. So I said, "Okay, that that's fine." I said, "But we it's the same people playing in both rooms. We're going to need a break." She said, "Well, okay, like 5 minutes would be fine." I said, "It's going to be more like 25." <laughs> like we got to move people, we have to move some instruments we need to get you know reset over here yeah uh, you know like all the things that if you're not in a band you don't think about like but 25 minutes is going to be actually pretty much the minimum amount of time and i could tell that 
she heard the words I was saying, but this was not, there was no acknowledgement mm. of okay. You know, it's like, not my problem. Yeah, that's kind of what it was like, not my problem. And it's like, well, yeah, but, you know, we are human. We're not robots. We, you know, we've got to sort Wait, of. So did you not even have a moment to pause and say, you know, let me go get like, was there, did your leader assign a second in command? Nope. To handle any client issues? Should they come up? Nope. Not that I knew of. <laughs> it, no. Yeah. So, um, so, I mean, it, it worked out fine. We stopped at like nine 35 or so with the, you know, cocktail music in the other room, but they were ready for those people to come. Like they, they took that as the start of their five minute timer. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so, I mean, it all worked out. It was fine. Um, it was, play. what's that? How'd you play? The, the band played well. It, it was, um, it was sort of crazy because we didn't have, we never had a sound check. We didn't even have a line check. Um, and it being my first gig with these guys, you know, getting a monitor mix was something I did with my iPad on the fly and we didn't take any breaks between songs. So that was a little hairy, but, um, but does you know, this band manageable. have, um, its own sound guy? Yes. Yes. Who, who knows the band very well. And he knows the guy. band really well. He, he's a great guy. I, uh, without him there, it would have been a mess. Um, he really kind of, you know, held things together. He, he's great at his job. Really good guy. So, so you know, I'll just add to this, like yeah. both of these conversations, I've talked about our bill, yeah. you know, and you know, bill to, he knows where the line is like any kind of creative or contractual thing. He'll say, you'll have to talk to Paul, but he's there and he'll interface with a client and you know, he does a lot of that stuff for me. And yeah. I have to say, you know, Bill's just an incredible luxury. I mean, not only is he a sound guy and a really good sound guy and, you know, hauls our stuff and coordinates other people to haul our stuff, but he's, you know, he's the one who gets there early. And so typically questions are going to come to him. Right. Right. And, he, you know, he just, he's really good. I mean, yep. he's generally understands customer service and says yes to as many things as you can. And, uh, and he actually somewhat owns, and take some pride that he likes to make it so we can just come in and do our thing. Yep. I mean, he just kind of intuit, and that's not, not no conversation ever happened to explain that to him. He just intuitively owned that that's a role that is of value, and I think he takes it with pride, and it certainly you know helps us tremendously. I mean, no, and I I would say this guy Dave, uh, the sound guy's name is also Dave. He's th the same way in that regard. He you know he said to me he's like I have two sets of customers the way I look at it. He said, and it's in this order. He said the people hiring who hired the band and and the crowd that's one customer and I it's my job to make it sound good and feel good for them. He said, but a very close second is the band on stage, uh, you know. And he's like, you guys are my customers too, and and uh, yeah. And he, I mean, he was great. It, it was it, he. So ours is a little different. That's interesting that he says the band is his customers because it's different. Bill is an eleventh member of the band. He gets paid that way. He yep. gets treated that way. He gets talked about that way. And not, not that one is better than the other. I mean, right. I, obviously, that's right. a you have a good situation there. Oh yeah, and being there's not there's nothing wrong with being a client and being treated like a client, right? And the Dave, flip side Dave is certainly acts when, like a member of the band. I mean, he's well, treated cool. like a member of the band, but but he sees it as when the band's playing, it's his job to make everybody happy and do what he can to to make the band comfortable. I think I think that's sort of the interpretation. That's the the interpretation I took from his statement. Like, got it. Got you know, it. you know, in that sense, he's got to treat us like. 
like we're the artist, right? And if you need something, he's the one that can go get that for you. You have to do your job and play. So, yeah, no, it's 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 a it's blissful. You, did you feel you were rehearsed enough to take this first gig off? Yeah, I I did. We had you know in whatever twenty something songs that we played, there were two or three where my interpretation of how the tune was going to start was a little different than than what the band did. But I mean, it, I don't know that anyone watching, even a musician watching, I don't know that anybody would have known that, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, I felt pretty rehearsed. There were, you know, a couple tunes where I started it and maybe the tempo was not exactly where the band wanted it, but we made the, the bass player and I get along pretty well. And uh, he was standing right next to me and we made that adjustment real fast. And, you know, and then it, it was fine. We had fun. Yeah, it was good. Our guitar player had some major issues with his the guitar player is also the leader of the band. He had some major issues with his wireless portion of his rig. It, it was like spinal tap issues. Leader of the band and the lead singer or just the leader no, of the band? No, he doesn't sing at all. I mean, he sings some backing vocals when it's gang vocals or whatever, but no, he's not a singer. So, yeah. Did you sing any solos? Yeah, I sang. Uh, I sang. What I, I was on deck to sing three songs, but I think with the guitar problems, we never wound up playing um, the Summer of 69, which they had me singing. So I sang What I Like About You uh, by the Romantics and uh, Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer. So uh, we'll just stop right there. So you told me you sing "Living on a Prayer," and you you hit that money note. You, it's just something about your about your head voice that you'd never struggle on that note, right? Oh no, I can't hit that's that money note. I can't hit. I there's. I mean, I can hit it falsetto, no problem. But yeah. I I can't hit it full voice. So no, in rehearsal, I had worked it out with Rachel, who's the female singer, and we we came up with a a way to navigate that, and it worked out great. So that's cool. Perfect. Yeah. 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 What was the what was the other one? Uh what I like about you. And what was the other one? Uh Summer of 69, but we didn't do that right. one. Right. Now you but you talked about that one in the past. Yeah. And you said that uh you were like I've never sung this before. Did they change the key? Did they do anything to it or no, you just No, none, none of those three songs are songs that I've ever sung before, nor are they songs that I would pick to sing because they're right at the top of or in the case of the Bon Jovi song with that one note. Um outside of my range so i would i would never have chosen to sing these songs these are holdovers from the old drummer so yeah it's um it's interesting being you know assigned songs to sing that are not songs you would pick i mean it's it's fine i'm up for a challenge you know me but yeah yeah. (laughs) when if you have three that you wouldn't have picked and three that are are range challengers you know, in a bad situation, you can blow your voice out, right? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I had to be really careful. Yeah, it was yeah. fine. I mean, it. you know, I wasn't going to sing anything. Like, the, the Summer of 69 and uh, and What I Like About You, they're within my range. They're just, they're, they're not the types of songs that I think make me sound great. Um, they're, you know, they're not melodic songs. They're just, you know, one note and you just kind of hang there for the whole song. And, you know, they're they're tone songs, if you will. I mean, the romantics, maybe not so much. But, you know, Brian Adams makes his money because he sounds like Brian Adams, not because he has this, you know, great sense of harmony or anything like that. And so it's just not it's not typically in my wheelhouse, but I mean, it's fine. You know, the same Bon Jovi's got more melody to it. That That's actually kind of a fun song to sing. It's just got some hype parts for me, but yeah. you know, otherwise, yeah, it's fine. I, I do want to say one thing though, 
And and this goes back to the last whatever the last month I've played how many gigs with how many new mm. projects and things I I had to punt on the concept of memorizing everything that I was going to play over the last month and that includes the tunes for Uptown now most of them I actually have memorized by by now but um, but I I couldn't rely on that and certainly the theater gigs and everything else and I'm subbing with a friend's band a week from tonight um, and so I, everything's coming from the iPad. And I'm using an app called Fourscore, which I've talked about before. And I'm using a clamp from a company called Stage Ninja. It's their um, their Scorpion series of clamps. They're, and without that thing and having an iPad right exactly in my setup where I need it and not having to use a music stand, like none of this would it. I, I realized in the middle of the gig on on Saturday, I'm like, dude. I take this thing for granted, but it is the linchpin to the success of this whole operation. Mm. So they're awesome because you can adjust them and then they stay right where you want them. It, it's like they have the perfect amount of tension because if I go to move it, it moves, but it, then it stays exactly where I left it. So, Did you put the link in the show notes? I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to. Well, yeah, you know, it's funny. I find um, I use an iPad on my acoustic gigs. Yep. And uh, there's not a good place to put it, you know, so. Right. You know, it's not in your line of sight. And so how far away do you want to get and how close do you want to get? It's just it, nothing. Nothing is quite right. And you don't want it up in your face and, you know, that type of thing. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Stage Ninja. Stage Ninja. I, I can either clamp it on. Uh, I mean, they have all kinds of different stuff that uses kind of their their arm with these scorpion clamps. But um, I clamp it either on a mic stand if I'm doing an acoustic gig because the mic stands in front of me. Or I can clamp it on like my hi-hat stand so it's off to my side or on a cymbal stand so it's right kind of up over floating over my snare. It's great. I, I couldn't just it, – it, <laughs> there's no way I would have made it through all, all this stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, good. Glad your first gig went well. It, it, it did. I have the a, next one? I have a, a, a bruise on my right shoulder that I noticed when I got to the hotel last night. Um, which I assume came from lugging my drums out of there because we had to lug stuff all the way through the entire library and then down the front steps, which is if anybody's seen pictures of the Boston public library, it's these huge steps mm -hmm. with massive statues and stuff. It's like, really, this is where we load out. We can't load in the little alley that we did before, but that's how it was. So it was like, it was like a two hour loadout, which is a drag. It's, you know, normally should be like 45 minutes, but yeah. And we were in line behind all the other vendors or, you know, we had to share the elevator and stuff. So wow. it was fine. But again, it was just get home. Uh, about three, but it was oh. fine. Cause well, I was flying to California that day and I was oh. smart enough not to book a morning flight. I did think about just like booking a flight and at right, you know, going from the gig to the airport essentially, but I didn't want to leave my drums at the airport and it being my first gig. I didn't want to ask these guys, Hey, can somebody, you know, can you take my drums home in the van? Which the sound guy, Dave said, dude, I totally would have done that. I'm like, yeah, mm. I, I figured we should work together once at least before I start asking favors like that. <laughs> but, um, so I, it was an evening flight. So I just put myself on Pacific time a day, a day early and it was fine. I, you know, it was all good. And my next gig Saturday. So I fly home Thursday. I might even have an acoustic gig Thursday night if I make it in time. But then, uh, then we're playing Saturday and I'm told that Saturday's gig, I mean, it's still a gig that we have to, you know, that we have to care about, but I'm told in comparison, logistically, it's a walk in the park. Uh, so that, that'll be nice. Well, you earn that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
How about you? So, yep. House Rockers had a gig last weekend on a Saturday night. It's our last club date for about four months because everything's going to be outside for a while. And uh, I think I was telling you that this was the club where last time we played there, there was a weird vibe in the band. And I told you about the guy who's so it's a the stage we can get about six guys on the stage and four guys are on the floor right next yep. to the stage, the four horns. And the guy at the far end of that, he's in harm's way. He's kind of almost almost in a doorway area that, that links two parts of this club together. And every time someone bumps him, bumps his music stand, you know, spills something, the poor guy. So we had to figure something out. So Bill had actually built us a drum riser that it was basically two halves and one half of it was good for a horn section. So we brought that in, and now we prop the horn section up, almost like a little mini, mini stage next to the regular stage. Smart. And that solved that. Yeah, it worked out great. And uh, again, this is the magic of having a bill. Right, so, right, um, totally. Yeah. So that was good. Here's the funny story from the night. I, I'm going to see if this has ever happened to you. Ben had a great night. You know, we played really well. We had a lot of fun. In the, the night, I'm waiting to get paid. I'm just going to sit there, and this, and this girl comes up. And I could tell she has a bit of a, an agenda in her eye. And uh, she comes up, she goes, yeah, you guys are great, really, really great. But you know what would make you guys better is a girl singer, someone up front hitting those high notes, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, I, would, I would just say this. Whenever you hear you guys are great, but whatever's going to come after the but is probably not going to be very good news, right? Yeah, just dismiss it. That's right. Yep. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Who would, who, who would do that? Who would... Who would think that that would, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. We've just been t- talking about that. Where are we going to find a good girl singer? She's right in front of us. That would be great. Thank goodness. Anyway, thank, thank goodness you had enough to drink tonight, ma'am, that it, you thought it would be a good idea to suggest yourself exactly. to our band. Thank goodness for that. And I was actually, yeah. you know, <laughs> I was actually kind of curt to her. And I was like, <clears throat> well, 18 years, you know, it's been a boys club for 18 years. This is kind of what we are. We're doing pretty well with what we have. And then she was kind of taken aback that I didn't even want to want to you know dance with her about this, right? But I don't know. I mean, you know, you've just finished three hours. You're pretty exhausted. It's late at night. Yeah. And uh, if someone's going to be someone irrational, do you, do you are you always on, or do you reserve the right to be like, you know, come on, you're, you're being you're being borderline not cool here. So I don't I don't really owe you my best uh, my best polite self. You know me, you know me, and you know the answer to that. I'm always on, so uh, you know I'll I'll find a. I mean I'll I'm going to be short with you. Y- you know if if you come up and pitch me on something at the end of the night, I- I'll say hey yeah you know uh, now's not really the right time, but y- you should email us or or I might say uh, you know we've tried that it it just doesn't work. I really appreciate it, but you know do you have a band? I'd love to come see you sometime. <laughs> right? I mean you turn it around into something, and then like but. But I have, I don't know if you noticed, but I have all this stuff over here that's not packing itself up. So, uh, you know. Well, yeah, there you go. Yes. You, you, you would be much better at that than I. I, I had no patience or no, no, no time. <laughs> and, uh, and it showed fairly quickly. And, and uh, you know. Yeah. Probably didn't gain a fan out of it. But. Uh, yeah, that's the hard part is how do you. Right. This person has put you in the corner. And, and it's very difficult to, to turn that into a lifelong fan of the band scenario. Yeah, you know there is a discussion to have about about whether it's a healthier approach, and maybe it's different in different levels of music. But like, 
what I have to give you is what I do when I'm on stage, right? And I'm going to work my butt off and I'm going to give you everything I have on stage. And that should be the basis of our relationship. Yeah. Versus, versus, you know, some expectation that, you know, we have to be friends. I have to go to your birthday party, you know, whatever, whatever the thing might be. And I, I actually think it's a complicated thing because I find, you know, a lot of people in the effort to do a good job and, and get an audience, they have to work both sides of it. They have to, you know, maybe put themselves in some social positions they might not prefer to put themselves in. Maybe some people like it. I, you know, I can't speak, obviously sure. generalize, but yeah, but um, it crosses my mind sometimes, especially, you know, after like a really intense gig working really hard where you've literally given everything that you have to give. And then someone wants something more afterwards. Now, you know, I'm not freaking Mick Jagger and I, and I don't think it's an ego thing. I don't think it's an ego thing, but I do find it weird when people want to pitch business or, you know, you know, not even pitch business. Cause it's not about a win-win thing. It's more right. like, you know, or, you know, if someone comes up and says, Hey, can you come play my friend's party for free? You know, do you guys do free parties? You know, that type of thing. After a gig, I, I need a little bit of decompressed time. I just need to clear my head sometimes. And so I, you know, what do you, I don't know. What do you think? Always be on every think, fan has a potential 10 fans and, you know, just understand that's part of the deal. Yeah. But, but that doesn't change the fact that, well, to pair to quote, you know, Mr. Neil Peart, I can't pretend a stranger is a long awaited friend. Right. I mean, just because we had this moment where I was doing something I love and you were doing something that you love and we shared it together separately, it doesn't mean that we're automatically like intellectually bonded now and and or even emotionally bonded, especially not emotionally bonded. Yes. You have more of a license for that when you're Neil Peart than when you're a cover band in, in a small town. I think you have less license for that. I've always thought that was kind of a dickish move from him. It's true. <laughs> it's him, right? I mean, it. you know, he's honest about who he is, but the fact that, I mean, his entire career, his life, his family's life is provided for by his fans. And to also, and he acknowledges that, but to also then say, but I don't want to sign autographs for you. Um, you know, he's like, I was never interested in autographs of the bands that I, you know, followed. Uh, he's like, there's a line there. Like, well, okay. But yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a point. It's like, well, you know, do you really owe something to that person that just paid you? And, And maybe the answer is yes, but it doesn't mean that it's easy. Um, and it doesn't, and, and I think there's the insincerity of it. Like if somebody comes up and they're like, dude, that was awesome. And you know, they say some nice things and then they expect this friendship in return. It's like, well, I could fake that. Sure. We all could. And in certain stages of our life at times, and we, we, we still do, you know, it's just a thing, but it is insincere when you fake it by by definition, uh, you know, it's tough. So I, I, I'm kind of okay after gigs, I get into pack up mode. Um, that usually it gives me something. It gives me an excuse to be distracted from the conversation you're trying to have with me. And, and I think that has, has saved me from a lot of uncomfortable scenarios because once I'm in my car, 
I, it's like I start like I get the shakes. I mean, I don't actually get the shakes, but it's like okay, whew, like Ugh, I, you know, no. you, you know me. I'll I'm, tell you, I, I, I was I was gonna say I'm always on, but I do need yeah. my my decompressed time. And yeah, you just take it in a different way. I take it in a different way. Yeah, but but being yeah. able to pack up and say, oh, sorry, man, I got it. You know, like I got a lot to do here. And somebody will ask, can you help? And or can I help? Which is nice, but the answer is always no. You don't know what to do. No right. offense. And they get that. They're like, okay, yeah, I get it. No problem. So well, I'll tell you, I sincerely like, appreciate, love even, you know, when people say, oh, that was great. Thank you so much. And you say, you're so welcome. We really had a blast playing for you. That is food for the soul. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind. You know, if people want to take pictures, I'll give them my guitar, you know, whatever it may be. That's kind of cool. And that's fun. I love talking about gear. So if a guitar player wants to come up and say, hey, what, right. you know, what tone did you use? That, that's totally fun as well. But like I said, beware of you guys are great, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Find uh, something of interest uh, to chat. Uh, find something of the band members interest to chat with them about. Sure. You know, like, I mean, think of that person as any other human on the planet. Don't go up to them and tell them about yourself. You know, ask well, about them or ask them. <laughs> yeah, I would say, hey, you know, you guys are great. I see you're packing, packing up. Hey, can I get a card? I have an idea. I'd love to run by you at a later time. That would be civil, right? Yeah. But yeah. again, you know, anything in life where there's a but, usually nothing good happens after the but. No. Well, because it's that self-absorbed kind of thing. It's like, let me tell yeah, you about me. myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's you enough, know. enough about you. Let's talk about how much you love me. Right. If you want to do that, start a podcast, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Other funny thing that happened this week. I got an email from a fan. Well, I don't know if it's a fan. I got an email from someone who got our, our email address off our website and said, I see you. Uh-oh. Paul, did I lose you? Right, am I there? You're, you're, you're here. Say it again. Right. You, you got the email and it said? And it said, you're coming to play in my town in a couple of weeks. Can I please request these six songs, none of which are songs that we play? Huh. Hmm. So. Yeah, you can't. The, the answer is no. I, I mean, yeah. I would think, yeah. Well, the answer is yes. You can request them, but uh, right. <laughs> yeah, feel free to request them. Feel but free to request away. We as a band don't know those songs. Yeah. So it's funny out there. You do know, you guys do, do requests? Do. And I, I'll ask want. this specific. Well, like for this band, for this gig that we're doing this weekend. Again, it's another private party, and I got an email this morning with two tunes that are not on our list that we are going to learn this week. Now we're not going to get together. You're going to learn on your, you're going to learn on your own and just come ready to play. Correct. Um, I would say we've done that maybe once or twice over, over time and in general, but let's just kind of break this down. Like for a wedding, it's actually in our contract. Here's our set list. You get to choose 75% of it and we'll accommodate as we can. Anything's not on the set list that you ask us to learn. We charge for Sure. So yeah, and we and we do that. We we charge for this too. I mean, this yeah. is not yeah. Of course, of course, because we got to put work into it. Yeah, that's right. And then the relative um, costs, you know, some flat fee or that that we use for that. But um, whether we rehearse them or not depends upon the complexity of the song and whether there needs to be a horn chart and, and sure know, and a few different things. But you know, I think we've done like you know, Stand by Me or something like that. And and I actually like that aspect that does a lot of things because i like telling the band learn this and come ready to, to play it does definitely make some people uncomfortable who prefer you know to know their destiny more i'm 
I'm more comfortable with the unknown. And in a three chord song, I'm pretty sure we can get through just about anything. And I'm okay with a flub. I'm okay, you know, that type of right. thing. At the end of the day, you know, and, and if someone asks for something live, again, rarely. Again, it's hard to get 10 guys on the same page on an improvised thing, right? That's Yeah, l- doing that live is is dicey. It, it can work if, it, I've always said, everybody in the room from start to finish of that song needs to be in on the joke or the, the fact. Randomness. The randomness. Yeah. yeah, the fact that this is a request, you asked for it, we don't know it, and we're going to try it anyway. And that can be really fun. I mean, it can be very engaging and, and it can be the thing that makes an audience, you know, they'll say, oh, it was great when you played that song. It's like, that was the worst song we played all night because uh-huh. we don't know it, but it makes it fun. But I, it, it's one thing to do it at a private party where that's the vibe. It's very different and very risky to me to do it in a club when you've got people that might walk in in the middle of that song and have no idea what the vibe is. I agree. I'm, I'm comfortable with either, but I totally understand what you're saying. And yeah. um, uh, with with our so you know Johnny Be Good or something like that. Sure, the horns will find their way to something. But you know, someone asks for anything more complicated than that, or that the guys just don't know. And that's actually an interesting thing. In my band, we don't all have the same uh, musical dictionary. Yep. Um, the, so you know, Nick is a funk and soul guy. He knows classic rock pretty well, but Nick is that stuff. I don't know very many, you know, if someone's called funk song, you know, there were changes to it. I'd, I'd have to follow along. Um, Joe's a Rolling Stones and Beatles guy. Um, the horns are, you know, certainly not big rock lexicons. And so when it is interesting and it works and it's really good is when you've all grown up listening to the same music and loving the same music. Then totally. I actually think something totally magical can happen, right? Oh, totally. You're, you're literally kind of pulling it out of your consciousness. And then when a whole band does that, that's a pretty cool experience. Oh, we've had, yeah, we had a, a, a moment like that where somebody kept with, with Chafed years ago. It was a it was a weird gig. It was like the Saturday night before Easter. It was a total crap date that we had gotten from this club. You know, never take that date, folks. Nobody's going to be in the room. Um, but anyway, we, we got this date and there was somebody all night that was just requesting rush, rush, rush. It's like, oh my God. Okay. And, fi- and we, you know, Maddie, our guitar player would start tunes he started like tom sawyer and he started a couple others and we'd you know like get through two bars of it and then stop and the guy'd be like oh come on play more and finally at one point maddie started spirit of radio and uh before we knew it we finished the tune and i but we had none of us had ever played it in bands before we just learned it as kids and like you said it was just it, it was that common lexicon and it was like oh holy crap that was amazing <laughs> We should do that again. But yeah, again, that, that's the thing when it's a bunch of people who love the same music. It is yeah. literally part of their DNA. Yeah. And you get a chance to do it and it just comes out of nowhere and it's successful. Yeah. I think that's a pretty magic thing. That 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 is something you strive for, man. And and but that's the thing. If you play with guys like that, you can get that type of thing. You know, but you don't get other things. And so Right. <laughs> you don't you get a different type of magic, right? It's a different type of magic. Yeah, it's totally fine. Yep. Sure. Yeah, it's crazy, man. But it's fun. You know, yep. it's good. Yeah. All right. So, well, yep. I will uh, hopefully see you over the course of the week. I think we have some time together on Wednesday, I'm right? I'm looking forward to that, man. Yeah. That'll that's be right. good. Yeah. And then we'll get you on a plane. And when will you know if you have this acoustic gig when you walk off the plane? Um, it's up to me. The gig, well, if, uh, weather permitting, it's an outdoor acoustic gig. Uh, weather permitting, the gig is happening. And John and Jimmy will do it with or without me. So, 
when I get off the plane, I think my plane lands at 3 p.m. Eastern. I think downbeat is 7 p.m. Eastern. So it it is 100% my call when I get off the plane as to whether or not, A, I can make it because if my flight's delayed, obviously that changes things. And then also how I feel and, and all that stuff. But, you know, there's I, I, was, I was talking to John about this. He's like, is that the thing you'd want to do after being, you know, at like a crazy trade show with people all week? Wouldn't you just want to go home and, and like sit and be alone? And I said, no, you know, the interesting thing is, it, as strange as this might sound, Going and like after I get off a plane and all of that craziness, going and being on stage is yeah. one of the most relaxing things that I could imagine because I'm totally safe up there. You're like insulated on stage. And I know it's weird. Well, there's also the, it's the work people. life thing. Yeah. It's the streams, right? Your work life is a, is a certain part of you. And typically it's not a relaxing part of you, right? There's, there's right. You know, certain stresses that come with that. Of course. But mu- that's, that's why I, I've always said this to you. When when music becomes work, it's it's really heartbreaking because that's exactly what it's not supposed to be. Hmm. When I have to do human resource related things or taxes oh, yeah. for the band or all those types of things, you know, with a band that I'm that I have to do in my day job, I really struggle with it because it is I, I almost have programmed myself that my, this is my chance not to do those things. Huh. I mean, they're necessary and you yeah, got to yeah. do them. Yeah. But, you know, I totally get what you're saying is that you can you can work as hard as you want. And if music is in the right place. It is that refuge. It is that, you know, yeah. oasis type thing. It I totally, totally is. Yeah. Well, it, and, and that's honestly why I don't want to, why I avoid being a band leader. Um, <laughs> and that is an active uh, role on my part, avoiding being a band leader. Because it, so many of those things that are needed for a band leader come naturally to me. And so I have to like say, no. I, you know, I can be a side man and I'm, I'm not always successful at, at this role, but, um, but yeah, that's part of why I do that is that, but, but also just like, like I said, the stage is it, like you said, it's an oasis, even though you're in front of people and it, it's, um, it seems like, you, you know, you're very exposed up there to me. That's like the, the safest little bubble I could ever be in. Mm. I don't know. That's just how I feel when I'm on stage. It's like, yeah. Ooh good to go yeah so All right. well as as modest mouse says float on float on they did say that yeah that's right well i gotta find our uh our theme music here because i have no idea where it is and i don't know how you're sitting works. in a hotel right i am sitting in a hotel but i Mobile think dave. i found it so there it is nice right? job dave thanks brother thanks you too have a good week folks we will speak with you next monday always be always be 